Greetings and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place Great Crime. I am your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with Brenda Chapman. Uh, Brenda is a Canadian author from Ontario, and uh, she writes with a very definite flavor of the region and the peoples uh, in that region. Uh, I think you'll enjoy my conversation with her. Uh, I learned some things too, so um, hopefully you will as well. Uh, I am coming at you, uh, as always, from uh, Wrong Place Right Crime headquarters here in Central Oregon. Uh, it is another bright, if slightly windy day, uh, and uh, a day that, you know, I'd say feels kind of hopeful, which is something we could all use uh, during uh, this particular time. The interview that you're going to listen to that I did with Brenda uh, actually took place about a month ago, and uh, of course we were in quarantine at the time, and uh, as of this recording, we still pretty much are. And so uh, uh, before we get to Brenda, uh, I want to remind you that Wrong Place or Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it from the dark and grittier end of the spectrum. Uh, if you dig that kind of book, you can go to their website to learn more. That is downandoutbooks.com. Down and Out Books, all spelled out, dot com. Down and Out Books. Take the journey with us. Uh, and if you're listening to this in a timely fashion, uh, there are a number of uh, pandemic-related sales going on right now to, to make it a little easier for you to fill the time with a good book. All right, well, uh, let's get to Brenda Chapman and talk about uh, her books, particularly the uh, Kayla Stone and Stuff Sergeant Reload novels. Well, hey, Brenda, welcome to the show. Hi, Frank. Great to be here. Thank you. So you and I first met uh, via the blog Criminal Minds. That's right. Uh, we're both uh, authors on that uh, blog post. Well, I had uh, I was fortunate enough to be championed by Jim Ziskin to, to join up there. I hope he's not regretting his decision. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the Canadian authors uh, recommended me, so I'm hoping the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good uh, starting point there to mention that you are a Canadian author. You're based in Ontario, and your series Stonechild and Rouleau is based there. Yes, I, I live in Ottawa, our nation's capital. I started the series in Ottawa, but I moved my characters down to Kingston, Ontario, which is right on Lake Ontario. It's a smaller community, and I just felt like I wanted to have my main characters operate on a smaller police force. Now, the first one in that series, uh, when did that come out? Cold Morning was published in 2014. And if I'm not mistaken, that was shortlisted for a pretty prestigious award. Yeah, it was shortlisted for the Arthur Ellis Award for Crime Novel of the Year. Didn't win, but I was quite thrilled to just, you know, be nominated as they say. <laughs> I, I, I learned the Arthur Ellis Award is a Canadian award for fiction uh, from Sam Weeb, who educated me a few episodes back. I, was, I wasn't familiar with it before then. Yeah, they are our national awards for crime fiction, and it's quite an honor to be uh uh, list shortlisted for sure. Well, tell me a little bit about Stonechild and Rouleau because uh, I, I was fortunate enough to read the last book of the series, Closing Time, mm -hmm. and uh, it I was struck by how well you captured a sense of place and culture in both the setting and the characters. And so uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about the two main characters and, and how you accomplished that. Yeah, thank you. 
I had in mind that I would have uh, two police who would be of equal, you know, in the in the books. But Kayla Stonechild has become the one who who dominated uh, the storylines, and she's the one that people have shown uh, the most interest in. She is uh, Indigenous. She's actually been called the first lead Indigenous female character in a police procedural series. And I don't know if that was just my publisher saying that or if it's actually true, but I think she is one of, of the first. She is a, a fascinating character uh, to mine. She uh, grew up in foster care. Her parents, she was taken from her parents when she was three. If I could ask, so you, when you say Indigenous, uh, you're talking about First Nations, correct? Which here in the U.S. we would call Native Americans. Yes, that, that that's correct. Uh, I worked on uh, Department of Justice on the, and that time we called them the Aboriginal file. But I had since learned that Aboriginal is a name that uh, the white people gave to the Indigenous people, and they prefer Indigenous, which also includes First Nations, Métis, and Inuit. Oh, I so, didn't know that. Yeah, Indigenous covers all of, of that. And I believe in Australia they also, they also like to be called Indigenous. But for all my years working in the government, it was the Aboriginal file. Huh. But now now I think they would call it the Indigenous file. And Kayla was an Indigenous, uh, was born to Indigenous parents, but she was taken away from them for some reason? Yeah, she was, they weren't able to uh, look after her. They went to the residential school uh, system. I don't know if you had that in the U.S. as well, where the children were taken from their parents and put into this uh, residential schools. Like a boarding school kind of? Yes, boarding schools. They were run by the priests and the the nuns. Mm. And a a goal of these schools was to take the Indian out of the indigenous people. So they were not allowed to speak their own language. They were beaten if they did. Um, And there was also a lot of sexual and physical abuse going on at these schools. So what happened was these kids... Uh, when they graduated and went back to um, the reserves or or integrated into cities, didn't know how to parent. And there was a lot of drug and alcohol use. And it it was just like a lost generation. So Kayla's parents uh, in the book were part of the residential school system and and she was taken from them and put into foster care. So that that is her background. So she's very independent, uh, does not play well with others to a great degree because she doesn't trust people. So she started out in in the book. She was in a northern detachment near uh, Thunder Bay, which is actually where I'm from. Uh, And she liked it up there because she was a loner, uh, was able to do her her shifts in the patrol car alone, uh, working for the Ontario Provincial Police. But she's come down to Ottawa because she's looking for uh, a a woman that she had been on a reserve with and they had bonded. And in Cold Morning, um, it starts out with them as children and something really terrible happens. And that's the beginning of of that. So she comes down to Ottawa and meets Staff Sergeant Jacques Crulot, who also has his own story. um, His wife has left him after years of him being a workaholic, which I guess is kind of a trope in crime fiction. Uh, But she has remarried. He's still in love with her. And so he's also got issues and he's um, learning to uh, get along with with others as well. And Kayla shows up and and he's in his 50s. She's in her 20s. 
And while readers at first thought there was going to be a romantic relationship, he does become a father or a mentor figure to her. Certainly there's some generational uh, differences there. That's a, easily a generation apart. Mm-hmm. So his, I set up in book one, I realized I didn't want to have a, a city of Ottawa as um, the backdrop for this story. So I moved, I set up in book one cold morning to move it to Kingston, Ontario, just an hour and a half down the road, right on Lake Ontario, where uh, it's a smaller community, about 110,000, but still with enough going on in that city that I could realistically have a bunch of murders uh, over the series, which is seven books, which ends with uh, uh, closing time. So uh, Kayla definitely is bearing the scars of not only her childhood, but cultural scars. I wasn't aware of the residential schools uh, that you described, but it's almost like that whole event, it victimized a generation, which then victimized the next generation. And she's bearing the weight of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's still going on, you know, there's still uh, reconciliation going on. Uh, with the government and the First Nations, the Indigenous people right across the country. We have reserves uh, in Canada that are are very poor. They have water issues. They're not getting fresh drinking water. The government has really been working to rectify a lot of this, but but the issues are so deep and, and it's so difficult to solve all of the problems. There's a lot of suicide on the reserves. I don't know what it is like in the U.S., is it? uh... I think it's worse. I I think your nation, while you've done a very poor job, we've done an awful job Mm -hmm. (laughs) when it comes to treating uh, the indigenous peoples of the country. I mean, uh, I think both governments are obviously trying to do something about it, but you, you can't undo generations and generations and generations of of what's occurred uh you know with the snap of a finger so mm-hmm. uh, it becomes you know the problems become cyclical and i think uh i think what you're portraying is uh is is definitely not a uh, only a canadian issue by any means mm-hmm. and when i worked at the department of justice uh, on the indigenous file i was reading every morning about what was going on in the news and uh, you know, it was just so awful. And that's where Kayla Stonechild uh, came from. She mm-hmm. came from my frustration with everything I was reading. And I wanted to show a strong, intelligent uh, woman who, ha- you know, was Indigenous, but show that uh, there's there's a lot of um, really good, uh, decent Indigenous people and that we just have to open our eyes and not, not be um, prejudiced or racist and even at the Department of Justice, I was on the advisory committee. I was the communications advisor for the uh, advisory committee on Indigenous peoples. And all the Indigenous lawyers were on there and uh, became great friends. Uh, and, you know, it's not all gloom and doom. A lot mm-hmm. of, uh, of Indigenous people are doing really well, you know, have good jobs. Uh, um, so it's not all bad. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I saw an interview that you did uh, about Cold Morning in which you said that the theme of the book or one of the themes of the book was uh, alienation, that 
you know, a, a lot of the characters are experiencing alienation. Kayla, I think you've expressed uh, what alienation she's feeling, and it sounds like uh, Rulo is is alienated from his wife, and 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 of course, I don't know if you really explore this a whole lot, but there's a particular alienation that occurs between law enforcement members in the community that they police. Uh, so if that's the theme. Uh, of a cold morning or a theme of a cold morning does that continue throughout the series or do you did you tend to explore different themes with each book i explore uh different themes i mean the alienation and, and people finding their way finding a community is is big in the books but i also um i don't know about you frank but i'm i'll, I'll be triggered by something i read in the news uh perhaps a case that you've you've worked on where it kind of sticks with you and there's there's a germ of an idea there that you you make into a book so for instance um the book uh, i wrote before cold morning called closing time i read two articles actually on the same day on the web about the same issue and one was um that these young girls who were out of high school, finished their, their day, were being taken by these men to a motel down the highway and, and uh, prostituted. And that really stuck with me. And in fact, when I, when I wrote this book and I would, was speaking with some people from Kingston, Ontario, where the book is set, and they said, oh yeah, we know that motel. It's just up the 401, which is the major highway. So it, it was between Toronto and, and Kingston where this was going on. So that became one part of the book and the other was I had read an article about uh, landlords who were taking vulnerable women giving them a place to stay in exchange for sex and I just thought these two were just so awful and but they they made for a good premise for a murder mystery. So would you then say that uh, I mean it's seven books that uh, that are in this series um, certainly Kayla and 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 probably uh, uh, Staff Sergeant Rouleau go on a journey, but uh, how would you describe that journey overall? Like, wh- where is Kayla at the end of the series compared to where she was at the beginning of the series? Has she changed substantially, or is she still the same person that that first arrived uh, on the scene? She changes a lot over the course of the books, uh, in some ways, but in other ways, she's still that restless. Uh, person not not secure in her position. She's made friends. She and Rouleau uh, are great friends. She's developed um, a romantic relationship. Both she of also, which required some trust, huh? So that's yeah, a big change. Yeah, and she in you know about the second or third book, she takes in a foster uh, niece who is fourteen, mm-hmm. and uh, she has to mother her, and doesn't really start out very well with doing that. In fact, in one book, um, Dawn is the girl's name, is taken from her and put into social services. So she does develop a lot over the course of the book. She becomes more empathetic or, or more trusting, I guess, even though she's not quite sure what she wants to do in closing time at the beginning of the book. She's quite restless. And that's one reason she takes Dawn up north uh, on a canoe trip to decide what she wants to do with the rest of her life. And while she's uh, on this canoe trip, which is up north of Sault Ste. Marie, uh, if you have a map, uh, an, an old boyfriend shows up that she had been very involved in before she moved down to Ottawa. And so she really has to decide, what is it I want to do with my life? It's interesting that that's, the, that, that that's what she's going through. 
when you obviously had to make a decision to end the series. And that's what you've done here, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. What, I, what, what went into that that decision? Well, it's, it's kind of an odd, an odd story. When uh, I, st I wrote the first book and Dundurn, my publisher, accepted it. And then I wrote the next one without just on spec, you know, without a contract, and they accepted it. And I think the third one, they said, well, how many books do you think you're going to write in this series? Because we'll give you a contract for all of them. And I said, well, I guess seven. And <laughs> they said, okay, then seven. So that was always what I was aiming for. But I just picked the number out of the air. <laughs> it's worked uh -huh. out. I think I've ended it. I was ready to, to move on to something different. Uh -huh, there you go. Uh -huh. And I was I was happy to wrap wrap it all up. Each book is a separate mystery with a, a separate cast of um, suspects. So each book is, it can be a standalone, but I do develop my main characters throughout mm -hmm. my cops. And I have a, a reporter who shows up, Marcy mm -hmm. Stokes and uh, Dawn, the, the foster child. So I do develop all of them throughout the books, in addition to having a separate uh, murder mystery in each one. So it, it was not difficult to wrap up. Uh, I did have to decide where Kayla was going to end up, though. I wasn't sure when I started writing which way she was going to go. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to start, I think. That's my opinion, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, I do a lot of outlining when I work with other authors, and I used to do virtually none when I worked on my own work, but uh, but now I do a little bit more on my solo work. But there's it's it's nice sometimes maybe to discover something along the way as opposed to already know where you're going. Yeah, Dundurn asked me what uh, the story arc was for, for each book, and I always say, I don't know, I haven't written it yet. So I'm, <laughs> I'm a panster, as you mm. were. I, I wish I could be a plotter, like more of a... <laughs> I'm a pantser with one leg in and one leg out. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm aiming for. <laughs> well, you know, um, you haven't had a chance really to miss Kayla yet because, uh, you know, you're probably still at that stage where you spent so much time with it that you... Uh, are still not sure if you if you hate it. <laughs> I know at least yeah. that's what happens to me. And then uh, it's you know it's out for a couple of months and I start to love it again. But uh, at some point I have to think you're gonna you're gonna miss spending time with uh, with uh, Stone Child and Merlot. Yeah, I, th I think I am. You know, um, and and readers are asking me, you know, is this really the end, or do you think you could, you know, we'd like to see what happens next with her because of where I left her off. And and but I. I would be surprised if I write another. I've actually turned to writing thrillers, uh, written one, and I'm working on another, and they're they're a lot of fun. I I haven't placed them with the publisher yet, but uh, but we'll see. So, uh, which thriller are you talking about in Winter's Grip? Uh, no, that that was my first uh, uh, adult mystery that I wrote. Oh, I started okay. writing uh, young adult or middle grade mysteries. I have a series yeah. of four, starting with Running Scared. Uh, and those were the first books that I had published. And I wrote Running Scared for my daughters, who were 12 and 9 at the time, just to see if I could do it. Because uh, I always wanted to write a book, but taking that plunge is, is tough, I think, to believe that you can do it. So I thought I'd give it a try. And uh, I was lucky enough to find a small publisher in Toronto who uh, picked up the first one and then each of the four after that. And then I decided, because I like to keep myself amused, that I would like to try an adult mystery, and that was In Winter's Grip. 
which is a standalone mystery set. Uh, I had an agent at the time who told me I should set it in the States if I was going to get published. And I set it in uh, northern Minnesota because it's near Thunder Bay, near the border. Yeah, that's that's more Canada than the States anyway. So. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and then you also wrote uh, the Anna Sweet novellas. Uh, what, what's the story with those? Okay, so a publisher named Orca out of uh, Van- near Vancouver on Victoria Island was looking for Canadian crime writers to write novellas for adult literacy. So these books are short. They're about under 15,000 words. Uh, wow. So I wrote one. And after that, I wrote them a second one that they didn't accept, but I got picked up by another adult literacy publisher called Grassroots Press out of Edmonton. And they asked me to, they contracted me to do a whole series for them because they liked the Orca book so much. And they wanted uh, a female lead character set in Canada, uh, humor, uh, conflict, a good mystery, and uh, oh yes, written at a grade three, four level. (laughs) Oh, so there's the key. It's written for there's, adults, but at a yeah. at a very uh, accessible uh, lexile. Level. Yeah, and actually, it it was a really good challenge to write these books because you couldn't have much backstory. It had to be a straightforward plot, uh, and you were. I was writing for, you know, um, English as a second language students or adult students or adults who had never really learned to read who were mm-hmm. trying to work on their skills. So the they had to be adult comprehension. That's something that would hold their interest, but written very simply. So, and with humor, you know, you, you have a word that you want to use, but it's three or four syllables. So you have to find it suitable. It, it was a really good challenge and, and I enjoyed writing them. And it taught me to pare down my writing as well, even in my, my longer books, you know, the descriptions and things. So. I should send them some of my work. Some people would say that it's all that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you know, you read a book like uh, I've reread some Michael Connolly uh, Bosch books, mm-hmm. and they're they're very simple. Like there's mm-hmm. not a lot of detailed sentences or descriptions. You, it, 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 there's a real art to doing it, I believe. So. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what the Lexile scores are for the larger bestsellers. I would be willing to bet that they are lower than one would think. Well, I, I believe so. And wasn't it that uh, newspapers were written at about a grade seven, eight level? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I've, I've heard that. I've heard that. I, so I don't know if it's simple. urban legend or not, but I've heard it. <laughs> uh, usually this is the point in the show where I ask what's next. I think you sort of started to answer that. You said you're working on a thriller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of fun. Standalone thrillers. Uh, I've always in, uh, taken this writing gig as something to entertain myself. So I'm trying to write what I, I enjoy reading. And I've always loved reading mysteries and thrillers and uh, that kind of book. So that's what I'm writing. Sounds like a new beginning. <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun anyhow. So Brenda, you mentioned your publisher, Dundurn, and if people want to see more about your work or find out about your books, where would be the best place to go? Yeah, if they go to my website, brendachapman.ca, I have all of the books listed there in order uh, for each series and a little bit about each book and some reviews. So that would probably be my recommendation. Uh, well, I, I'll tell you, Brent, I, I really enjoyed Closing Time. I appreciate you sending me a copy of it. I, I really I really liked it for the reasons that I mentioned earlier. Uh, and I wanted to say uh, thanks for coming on the show. 
Oh, thanks, Frank. And thanks so much for reading uh, Closing Time and giving me a nice uh, blurb that I could use, a nice quote. And it's been a lot of fun today. Well, there you are, folks. A nice woman and a good writer. And uh, someone I learned something from uh, in that episode when it comes to the uh, history of Indigenous peoples in Canada. Next episode on Wrong Place, Right Crime, we're going to talk to Kate Anslinger, who I met at BoucherCon in Dallas last year. And uh, her series, in which features a police detective with a particularly unique skill that uh, she has to hide from others. Uh, I found it rather intriguing, and I'm really looking forward to, to jumping into her books. So that's next episode on Wrong Place or Right Crime. A uh, quick Zafiro update for you. No new books coming out. Uh, however, Still Life with Suitcase, episode 11 of A Grifter Song by Scott Eubanks is now available. Of course, the whole season is available. Uh, both seasons are great stories uh, all. And of course, you can uh, subscribe and get all of them at a discount and get a bonus subscriber-only episode. So, hey, if you're into exclusivity and who isn't, uh, there you go. <laughs> so uh, the only other uh, update uh, is that uh, I mentioned uh, a few episodes ago that uh, I was a finalist for the Derringer Award. Uh, the winners were announced on May 1st, and I did not win. So <laughs> congratulations to Brendan Dubois, who did win, who, uh, if you go Google him, you'll see I was probably punching a little bit above my weight class in that, uh, uh, in that competition. Winning a Derringer would be awesome, and congratulations to those who did, including um, my good friend John Floyd, who won in the short story category. Uh, the Concrete Smile was my fourth uh, time uh, being a finalist. Uh, alas, uh, always the bridesmaid, never the bride, as they say. But hey, you're not going to win everyone, and uh, some great stories did win. So uh, uh, I would encourage you to go to the Short Mystery Fiction Society's blog page and uh, check out the nominees and the winners. Give them a read. If you uh, uh, don't read much short crime fiction, uh, you're really missing out. Uh, there's some really talented people who work in short crime fiction the majority of the time. They're not writing novels or not writing as many novels as they are short stories. And so there's a whole raft of, of great fiction. All right. Uh, I want to say thanks to Brenda for coming on the show. Down Out Books for being a great sponsor. And as always to you, the listener, for coming on this ride. Uh, hope you're keeping healthy and safe and that uh, the sun is shining bright where you are right now. That said, I'm Frank Zafiro here to remind you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crap.